We've all heard before that the only constant in life is change. But this podcast is about highly functioning teams. And what do you do when the very guild that brings you happiness, security, and professional success is the thing that's subject to change? Whether you're the type to address such a change with the go-getter optimism of Parks and Rec's Leslie Nope or the side-eyed reluctance of their April Ludgate, at some point or another, a change is going to come. So if you're finding yourself in a season of change, treat yourself, maybe even to a waffle or two, and join us for this week's episode, where we dish on the Guild's personal and professional changes in our very own network connectivity. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild. The podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Of all the shows we've enjoyed through the year, NBC's Parks and Recreation was one that really knew how to say a farewell. Whether it was through a whirlwind memorial for everyone's favorite tiny horse, the last episode of Johnny Karate, or inarguably one of the best love letter to fans season and series finales ever, those writers really knew that an end is actually just the beginning of something new. So for all of you educators out there finding yourselves in new roles or with new colleagues, what can we learn from our friends at the Pawnee Department of Parks and Rec? Among other things, those bonds that you have formed in your classroom during lunch supervisions or during prep periods, they don't have to end just because a change has occurred in the day-to-day scenario. So with that, it's our intention with this episode to reframe the way we approach guild network connectivity issues and how to keep ourselves out of the creative or emotional pit. Let's just say that this is one of those episodes that for two reasons for myself, we're a little bit nervous. First of all, I have to just out myself right now. I've never watched Parks and Rec. I am not the loyal fans that you're going to hear from Emily and Casey today. So I'm going to give myself a go at the facilitator end of things so I can give them a chance to really make some of these hardcore connections and metaphor. I'm really excited. That's okay. (laughs) We are going to have to kidnap your children and make you binge it because it is a treat. First Twilight and now no Parks and Rec. I I don't know you. (laughs) Who am I? Casey. No. So that is the first one. And then the second one that makes me a little bit nervous too is some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is just going to also be a little bit more about where our journey has led us and this idea. We talk so much about our teams and we talk about the PLN and what does this mean about our guild network connectivity issues? So we're going to get a little bit deeper in on that as well, but keeping it light because that's what we like to do. So let's start us off with Casey. You're our summary girl. Yes. You know what that's like. So what's the gist of Parks and Rec? (sighs) Besides it being the most wonderful ensemble show cast ever to grace the TV airways, Parks and Recreation essentially follows the story of seven characters who work in a small town, Indiana, public department of parks and recreation. And it's all about what it's like to work in local government, what it's like to have strong relationships with people. And essentially, it follows the story of Leslie Nope, the most positive, organized person you have ever met trying to make her local hometown, the place where she grew up, the place where she was quote unquote born (laughs) into 
the utopian paradise that she sees it. Additionally, you have some ancillary characters like April Ludgate, Ben Wyatt, Chris Traeger. You've got some amazing Swan, comedians. Swanson. Swanson. I was getting to that. <laughs> You've just got this amazing cast, even with Retta and Zizanzari. So many people got their start on this show. And it truly is this amazing ensemble, unlike The Office, where the humor comes with the uncomfortable and just awkward. Parks and Rec, really, its humor comes from just the disconnect between what we think of local government being and what actually happens. And so for any of our listeners out there that might find themselves in the same place as me and they haven't watched this, I might be in a very small minority. But if there's anyone out there listening that hasn't watched, Em, is there anything that you would add? What is your one sentence pitch for why you should watch this show? Watch this show because the humor is constant and hilarious, but it comes from a place of warmth. Nice. So that leads us into our first segment titled, Why Change Happens. And let's notice and name something for us. We've got some change all across the board. All three of us have transitioned into new and different roles this year. So we were very, very closely intertwined in our teaming on the daily. And now we've changed a little bit of what that looks like. We're going to pepper in some of our own little stories on how that plays out in what we're doing now and what that looks like as it connects to the show. (laughs) I was just thinking in my head, the editing, I'm just going to chop off that long pause. All right, ready, go. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll kick us off with this. Why do things change? So probably the biggest change in Parks and Recreation happened with Anne and Chris. So Ann Perkins and Chris Traeger, a couple of seasons, spoiler alert, if we didn't say that earlier, spoiler alert, spoiler, eventually find their way together and have a baby. And they end up moving back to where Ann's family lives. I think it's in Michigan, right? In order to raise the baby closer to family, blah, blah, blah. And so really, when you think about why change happens, you know, that's a perfect example of moving on to the next chapter of your life, whether that's a new family situation, something has changed in your life where it creates a nice little bookend where the change has to happen. So maybe you've got someone who's moving across town and you need to have a new job. Yeah. You know? And I would argue when your guild shakes up for, for this reason, this seems to be one of the easiest ones to understand and get your mm-hmm. head around in terms of a change that you're accepting. I mean, who among us hasn't had a coworker move on due to staying with their children or their spouse moves out of state or to a different mm-hmm. position or maybe they've gone to grad school or something else, you know. Or so, take care of yeah. ill parents or aging parents. Or just you retirement, know? you know. We've had some really yeah. wonderful colleagues who've just retired, but it's like the next chapter of their life and you wish them well and you miss them a lot. But I would say of most of the changes, this is kind of the easy peasy one. It's hard, obviously, especially if it's someone really close to you. I think of how like tight Anne and Leslie are, but it's one that's pretty easy to get your head around in in many ways. So I'm going to switch things up a little bit. Another character that moves in and out of the Parks and Recreation Department, but doesn't actually leave the show, unlike Anne and Chris, is Tom Haverford. So he starts his entertainment conglomerate business, Entertainment 720. He opens Rent-A-Swag. Oh, yeah. And then he eventually opens Tom's Bistro. And Tom... 
ends up leaving the department and coming back and leaving the department and coming back because he's following what he's passionate about. This is his joy. This is what he loves to do. And honestly, ladies, as much as Tom as a character annoys the living bejesus out of me, this is kind of like my story, right? This is why I transitioned into a new role in that professional learning has always been my passion. Oh, yeah. It's something where I just feel completely invigorated by supporting and designing learning experiences that inspire teachers and leaders. And so I have since accepted and have been working since actually July as a professional learning facilitator for my regional office of education. And hilariously enough, right, this is local government. Yes. (laughs) Your regional superintendent is an elected position. So I'm seeing some facets of how local government works, which adds to the connection between Parks and Rec. But when you follow and when you leave a job in order to follow your passion as sad as it is, like I felt this when I left my building in my previous position, you do feel like you're saying goodbye to family. But at the end of the day, they are very understanding because you're leaving to do something that you're A, really passionate about, B, you're really good at, and everyone just wants to see you be successful and do what you love. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Leslie here either, because I feel like you're kind of the Leslie Nope of our team. (laughs) And I think about how that series ends with Leslie successfully pursuing her desire to affect politics for the good on a larger scale. And it's, isn't it implied that she's the president at the end? Like, kind of. Yeah, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. it's a little ambiguous, but I think it's sort of implied that she's moved on in politics. I always forget. That Leslie Nope joins city council. She always does have that drive to really do something better to help others that also aligns with her values and vision and what she sees is the quote unquote right thing to do. Casey, talk a little bit about Jerry. Oh, Jerry. 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 Jerry, Jerry Larry. Larry. <laughs> So did I even say his name right? No, you did. (laughs) No, you did. But no one on the show does. (laughs) Ever. So so Jerry, Gary, Larry's story is one that he's one of those characters where you feel so bad. This is where The Office kind of comes in, where you've got a Michael Scott sort of character. His humor is in the awkwardness, but it's the way other people treat him and pick on him. Um, He's like always the butt of the joke. Yeah. Um, On the flip side, he's always like living really well. Like his wife is really hot. Christy Brinkley plays his wife. He's got three beautiful daughters. I know. Like he's kind of living the dream, even though he's sort of the the butt of the joke at work. And his change is a little bit different in the sense that he retires in the show. You see Jerry's retirement, but then he comes back to work part-time but that at the end ben names him the mayor of the town and that's always been something he's wanted to do that's like a bucket list thing for jerry larry gary (laughs) so that's an example of you staying in a certain position but accepting a different role and so i was wondering if that's where i could tie myself and my transition into but i don't know if i want to be gary jerry larry (laughs) or whomever. I'm not retiring and I don't have a hot wife. 
Hey, I take offense to that as your wife. <laughs> my work wife. Well, no, we are in a, we now say we're in a LDR, a long distance relationship. That's right. But it continues more on that too. So I guess, Jerry, you guys tell me if you think I fit here because seeing as I haven't seen the show, but transitioning into a new or different role, I'm still in the same district, but working in a different capacity at the central office, learning a whole lot about what it looks like from a district lens and helping our curriculum and instruction office with many different projects related to our innovation and pathways. And we have several new coaches on our team, so then I can mentor and be coaching of the coaches. So this is an awesome opportunity, and I get a lot of experience seeing so much from a zoomed-out lens, which is really eye-opening, fascinating, and builds a lot of compassion. And that's really the way I have always felt about the Jerry, Gary, Larry character. You really do feel for him, and at the end of the day, no matter how ruthless (laughs) the other characters can be, he really does have a good heart. So he really is one of the most compassionate characters. Always invites everyone to his Christmas party. He's really got a heart of gold. Sorry, Emily, I didn't mean to like insult you with not being my hot wife. I mean, I know I'm hot. It's good. (laughs) I think another set of characters we could talk about for change is April and Andy. So I'm going to start with Andy's character. This is played by Chris Pratt. Um, Andy's... Sorry, fun fact, wasn't even supposed to be on the show long time, but he did such a good job. They just kept writing him in. Yep. He's great. His (laughs) journey started where he initially falls into a pit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, literally. (laughs) The pit behind Anne's house, his girlfriend at the time, and eventually ends up working as the local shoe shiner in the local government, city center, municipal center, and goes on this crazy awesome journey of trying to figure out what he wants to do. He tries out to be a police officer and doesn't actually succeed, but ends up working as part of a nonprofit organization, becomes this amazing child songwriter, TV show personality, and eventually just stops working altogether in order to support his wife. So Andy's journey is one of he leaves because he wants to say yes to every opportunity that comes his way, and he ends up wayfinding and just figuring out what works best for him. Now, I think it's important that we have our resident April talk about April's journey. Okay, so hi, as a team skeptic, I think I have to talk about April Ludgate. I would say I'm a little less gothy and strange, I hope, than April Ludgate, but she is one of those people who's always side-eyeing and thinking through situations before she's ready to jump into them. April at the beginning of the show is really not necessarily a joiner. I would say far more skeptical than I am. I've always loved coaching, and I feel like I jumped in with both feet on that. But one of the things April has really done as a part of her journey is she learns so much from the people around her and they leave such an incredible impact on her that I think the saltiness, the outer layer, the outer shell of April is completely melted through by the end. She still has her personality quirks at the end of the show, but she is much more of a get involved, join in. And doesn't she like leave to be part of a foundation, Casey? Help me with that. She does. She becomes a consultant for the American Service Foundation, which helps match job seekers with jobs. So she's still helping people, even though she has that more 
colorful personality. Yes. But her work with Leslie and her connection with Leslie has really led her to embrace more of a role of service and helping others, I think, than early season April ever would have. And I think what my takeaway about that and what I can apply from watching April in that is I have learned so much from Casey, from Jenny, from working together. And I am at a point now where I'm ready to try those skills out and try to bring those skills to another place. So I am in a role now taking on some new leadership roles. I'm still doing instructional coaching and innovation coaching, which is my truest love, but I'm also trying out something new. I'm back in the classroom, which here I am, and I'm really enjoying it. And so I have uh, taken on some new roles as well. And like April, the skills and the capacity that I've built working as a part of that highly functional team is something that is propelled me to where I am now and is helping me feel really optimistic and successful, even if I am a little bit like April sometimes. And what's the class you teach? I teach senior English, senior lit and comp. It's fun. Seniors and how do they differ from middle schoolers? Literally in every way possible. (laughs) I would honestly say like that's one thing where it's been nice coming into this with some background in adult learning. I'm kind of like, well, these are kind of my mini adults. They are, Mm -hmm. many of them are legal adults. Honestly, I will always die on the hill of student choice, whether your students are adults or 17-year-olds. People like to choose. So true. We're moving into our next segment. We've got this part talking about where things go wrong. So how does that connect to the metaphor? So we've talked about change happens, right, in a number of different ways. And for the most part, most of the changes that the characters in Parks and Rec go through, everyone still stays connected. There's still relationships that happen and everybody just goes from the big metaphorical group hug that is Parks and Rec to just a little bit longer. Their arms stretch a little bit and a little bit wider. However, there are some situations in the show where when change or movement happens, it doesn't go so well. And probably the first example is Mark Brandanowitz. Emily, do you remember Mark? Yeah, so like Brandanowitz is like a really major character at the beginning of the show. It seems like Leslie has a crush on him. He's entwined in the Parks and Rec department, and he's full-on main cast guy. And is it the second season or the third? He's just like unceremoniously gone. gone. It's just like... I would consider him as like the example of if somebody were to shift their role and just completely ghost everybody. I would look at Brandanowitz as like, what not to do? Above all, I think if you've changed a role and you're leaving a highly functioning team to pursue another opportunity... One of the things you want to try to make sure you're doing, and I don't want to jump too much into the next section here, but is keeping your connections and he just disappears into the ether. And according to like the show lore history, Mark's arc was done as soon as Ben Wyatt and Chris Traeger come to town. Mark's role was a city planner. So he had the job of like, where are we going to put a park? Where are we going to do this? And there's this arc of he had a one night stand with Leslie and there were a whole bunch of relationships he had on the show. And his arc was just done. The character had nothing more to give. And really, at the point he leaves in the show, a lot of the characters are becoming a little bit more multifaceted. So his one dimensional, this is what I am, this is what I do, and this is my function in the show really didn't serve any additional purpose. So I think for me, Mark represents I am what I am. 
And unless you fit into this bubble of what I do, then I got no time, got no space for you anymore. So that's when change happens not the right way. And that's not the only character that has sort of a change. And it's a bigger story arc in the later season. So we've got our two core leaders at the Department of Parks and Rec, which are Leslie Nope, Eternal Optimist, and Ron Swanson, Eternal Grump. (laughs) Realist. He's a realist. He's a grump, but he's a lovable grump. And as much as you will say about Leslie, she's technically the deputy director of the Parks and Recreation Department. And Ron is the department head. And his goal and belief about local government is it does nothing right. So therefore, we should do nothing. And Leslie and him have this headbutting that goes on, but eventually they just work so well. And we've talked about it on this podcast before with teaming and matching each other. You sometimes have to have discord Mm -hmm. in order to create brilliance. And that's what the two of them do together. But in the last season, Leslie leaves the show to become a pretty high profile person in the Department of the Interior. So from the National Park Service. And after she leaves, she takes April with her. Andy leaves the department. Tom is in his business ventures. Even Donna, one of the amazing comedic actresses played by Retta on the show, she leaves to go do something else. And Ron looks up one day and eventually decides that he he doesn't want to be in this office either anymore. And so he's supposed to meet Leslie for lunch. And you find out later in the series that that was going to be when he was going to ask Leslie for a job and take him with her. And Leslie blows him off, doesn't show up. And so he starts this construction company called Very Good Construction and ends up bulldozing Anne's home. That's their first job. And so this whole fight transpires between the two of them in the final season really comes down to Ron bulldozed Anne Perkins's home, the place that meant so much to Leslie. That's because Anne is Leslie's best friend. There's a lot in that exchange. You aren't there for each other. You're not respecting one another. Ron knows how important Anne is to Leslie, and she viewed that as a betrayal. But being stood up at a moment where Ron does not ask for help was a betrayal to Ron. Right. There was a lost opportunity for vulnerability when someone was going to be very honest. And unfortunately, what resulted from that was everybody snapping back into the, I'm fine, everything's fine, but in a place where there was a lot of unspoken resentment and conflict that was unresolved. So above all, I think it's really important to consider the emotional needs of your guild as change occurs. We're kind of shifting into the next section a little bit naturally here as we start to think about the things that we can do to make change work. That was an example of what you don't do. And that is when there is an emotional bid, a bid for vulnerability and honesty. And you can see that, like Casey said, somebody's values are on the table or just, you know, your guild members, you know, their values. There's a lot of careful steps as you move forward in change, but these steps can be navigated with the right things in mind. Right. Yeah. And kicking us off into that next segment of making it work, I have the desire to share even just a little bit more of our story and the journey and the origin of this podcast. And thinking back to when we started this over a year ago now, we were all still working together and 
it was a passion project. It was something that we knew, hey, we have something that we want to share out into the world, not just into our own immediate circle or our bubble. And so it was something that we wanted to do. But in the back of my mind, there was this inkling, like, Casey, I always knew that you were... (laughs) You were itching for something. Something was calling you. You may not have known what it was yeah. at that point a year ago, but I could just tell. And so this was, <laughs> this podcast and this project has been something, maybe my own little covert way, or maybe now not so much, maybe more <laughs> overt way of finding a way to keep us together, working together professionally. So when your stars aligned, and we talk about our story in uh, previous episodes about how the stars just aligned for our group, we're fortunate enough to be together. And we're fortunate to have been hired and gotten some amazing years to learn and grow so tightly together as a team. We have found a way to be able to still connect with those people that help you grow that encourage you, that help you reach the potential that you each have, it just looks different. And so when we think of even just this entire episode and the, do we have network connectivity issues and are we changing <laughs> our guild? The guild is still the guild. It just right. looks different. Let's move into that. How are we making it work and how does that connect to even just our metaphor? So the one you mentioned just a moment ago, finding ways to professionally collaborate in other facets like this podcast or presenting at conferences, which we're still going to do. Oh, yeah. That's similar to Leslie when she goes on city council. She is still working alongside everybody. She's found another way to connect with the people that she loves to be around the most. Yeah, you can still be in the main cast, so to speak, of your fellow guild members show. Like you said, just the plot lines, the writing, the script changes a little bit, but you still are each other's main cast. It's just, it like you said, Jenny, it looks different. But we're still all very connected. And I think that that's kind of what Leslie does throughout the show. She's very much a part of the show. She's continuing to be main cast. Her storylines are integral to what's going on in the show as well as everybody else's. They're still entangled just in a different way. Yeah, Yeah, the offices and the backdrops look different, but the Mm -hmm. conversations remain. Well, and speaking of backdrops looking different, just to give another example, I am like the total Parks and Rec nerd here. But there's a season, I think it's season six, where the whole crew goes to London because Leslie was nominated by April for an award. So Leslie goes to London to collect this award. Well, it turns out the whole show, not just like the characters, the whole show ends up packing up and filming in London because Chris Pratt is still filming Guardians of the Galaxy. So filming went long. (laughs) So the whole show packs up to move with them. And I think that's something you want to be able to do for your guild members is occasionally, not all the time, but find a way. And I guess this podcast is one of them. The other examples I came are another one. Find a way to set up shop with each other and find that space to still work together. And it's so funny how they work that into the show, because in order to be Star-Lord, Chris Pratt had to lose a ton of weight, which we had throughout the whole series. (laughs) And there's an exchange between Wyatt, Ben Wyatt, and Andy as they're walking up the stairs in London, like, so you just cut out beer and pizza? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, don't I look great? (laughs) It's just all worked in. So finding ways to set up shop with each other somewhere else can really make a big difference. So Emily, how does that look in our world? 
texting baby uh yeah so i don't think a week goes by where one of us doesn't text the other one a question in our professional world and it could just be something so silly like oh what was the name of that thing that we read about da, da, da. whatever the case may be i think that we are still so so tightly entwined and this is actually maybe a good takeaway for anybody is moving some of that to the virtual space like the london might be the, the virtual world so we just move things into the realm where we are forever texting but like jenny mentioned it's kind Kind of more like being a, in a long distance relationship, so to speak. We are still very much a part of everybody's day to day life. It's just that while we're all doing different things for work, it's still like everybody is just a text away. I also think, too, no matter what avenue of change people find themselves on, small kindnesses go a long way as well. So I mentioned earlier, eventually Ron and Leslie make up from their fight, but you know that Ron doesn't believe this fight will last forever. Because after he destroys Anne's house, he takes part of her door frame and makes it into a picture frame for Leslie and gives it to her once they finally make up. So he knows that this period they're going through is not forever and doing small little things for each other, whether it's dropping off food for a sick colleague that you don't work with anymore or something small to let those people that you leave behind know that you still think about them you still love them they're still a part of your thoughts and heart that those can go a long way even though you're not seeing each other every day and like you said our circle has widened in such a way that it challenges us and allows us to take some risks and (laughs) not be so co or try dependent yes (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's time and those seasons come and go and it's time to grow into that. And I don't want to speak for all of us, but for myself, I'm seeing in my work the influences you have each played on me, but I'm able to fly on my own in certain ways that I never got to before. And while that's equally terrifying as it is exciting, as you're listening to us today is just thinking about those transitions and those changes in your life that although maybe challenging, can be worth it. And there's always a silver lining, toxic positivity aside. And not to, because I do this, not to bring it back to the show, but that's Retta. That's your job. That's that, your role. But, but that's Donna's, <laughs> that's Donna's narrative. Like she goes from this side character to being this amazing person who's able to do some awesome things on her own as well. She ends up starting a nonprofit for her husband's school. And you would have never thought that would have even been possible because of the way that she drives the fancy Mercedes and treats yourself and all of that that Donna represents. She's able to spread her own wings. Not to piggyback though, but it's funny that you mentioned treat yourself when you think about small kindnesses and the things that build connections. That was just one day of the year, but Tom and Donna looked forward to that all year long Mm -hmm. and like they get Ben involved later. Yeah, maybe that's a lot of big kindnesses that they're doing for themselves and for each other. They have their little ritual or their thing or something that belongs to them and it might not so much be considered a small kindness. Maybe this is a separate thing in itself but to have your little rituals, have your little things and to keep them just like some of the stuff that you just do that makes you you like yes we're growing we're benefiting from each other and we're widening our circle but at the same time there's still deep and unchangeable things that make us us that make us capable of showing our ongoing respect and love for each other like the people in this show do that are silly and fun but maybe more meaningful than anybody would admit 
another strategy or another hack we can learn and take away from Ben and Leslie. So much of Ben and Leslie's relationship is long distance. After Leslie decides she wants to work for the Department of the Interior, they spend a lot of time apart. And at the end of the day, though, they know when to lean on each other's strengths. So as a guild, know when that moment is. So Jenny, I love that you mentioned being able to fly on your own, but also knowing too that your guild will always be there even That's though Casey's subtle hint of you haven't <laughs> called me enough for help and resources <laughs> I'm picking it up <laughs> we're still learning how to function and what that means absolutely yeah there's still a lot of sharing and reciprocity that can still be a part of our everyday but <laughs> it's just funny calling I'm you the out worst. you calling me out I'm the worst <laughs> but I I know I have after PDs or learning experiences that I've designed without you two, that's the first thing that pops into my head like, ah, crap, I should have had Labrie look at this before that, just because. (laughs) Get that clarified butter effect. (laughs) Rebuilds that connection. And Mm -hmm. I know we didn't mention this earlier, but the title of this episode, Network Connectivity Issues, that line that... so funny. (laughs) That episode, (laughs) Leslie is sick, right? And Andy tells her, Leslie, I just typed your symptoms into the Google and it says you have network connectivity issues. <laughs> it just doesn't have internet. It's great. But we have to build those connections. We have to keep those connections strong. And these hacks are just ways that you can do that. So true. So are we ready for a game? Are we yes. going to wrap up the episode with a game? Yes, we are. So I have taken my turn at trying the facilitative role, and I can tell it is no easy feat. So I'm going to hand it back to our <laughs> resident expert at this particular role, and that is Casey. And she definitely needs to do this one. Not only did she come up with the questions that are here, but she... <laughs> But she also needs to be game czar because she knows the answers to some of these and <laughs> oh, geez. can determine the winners. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Veach. So we didn't get a chance to talk about the amazing other secondary cast of characters in this show. John Ralphio. <laughs> oh my God, I love John Ralphio. <laughs> Craig. There's just so many other amazing characters. But we also didn't mention Andy's previous life aka the life he really wanted to have was that of musician so andy at the start of the show has a band one of the running gags in the show is all the names andy's band has gone through so many different names so many reinventions and changes so here's the game can you guess which of the following is not a name that was used in Andy's rock band. And we're not looking them up. Not Let's looking them up. Our hearts. Correct. So death of a scam artist, AD and the D-bags, <laughs> department of hometown deformity, everything rhymes with orange. <sighs> Shoot. Some of these are really... <laughs> oh my gosh. There are others, especially... Some of them are not appropriate, but uh, I did choose the most appropriate out of all of them. Okay, I think I have a guess, but I'm going to let 
Jenny goes Jenny first. Go and first yeah. Yes, I watched the show too, but I watched it in the evenings and everybody in this guild knows that I am very much a person who falls asleep way earlier than most. So I might have slept through a few scenes here and there and I'm not 100% on this. So Jenny, you got a shot. You have a better shot than I do though. Maybe. I'm going to go with everything rhymes with orange because how could you have any lyrics then <laughs> well, again it's the band name it's not the song title oh there i go messing up music again <laughs> i see a theme i'm still going with that answer okay okay i'm gonna guess department of hometown deformity <laughs> emily you are correct Woo! the true title the true title is department of homeland obscurity that's it i was like wait i don't remember deformity being a thing in here no homeland yes. obscurity for the record i only remember everything rhymes with orange and ad and the d-bags i don't remember the other ones i had to guess <laughs> i had zero reference so i was already under the gun on that one. Oh, i love and all of his song titles are just oh my amazing. gosh so good so. we are totally guilty of singing the bye bye little sebastian song yes. at the end of this episode bye. Bye, little, little Sebastian. Sebastian. Yes, um, once, <laughs> once again, reminding our listenership why we are podcasters and not musicians. He is a little horse. He is not a pony. He <laughs> is a little horse. <laughs> All right, games are. Okay, games are. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so in this part, we're going to choose. So what treat yourself day would you plan for Jenny? And then, Emily, you and I have to design a treat yourself day for Jenny, and she has to pick which one she would want to do. I'm already liking this one. (laughs) Ooh, lovely. Okay, this will be fun. So I would, first of all, transplant us to a resort spa. Are we we going on a date? (laughs) Wifey, we are always going on a date. Yes. All right. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Anyways, resort and spa, sleep in, wake up, yoga. After that, I would probably say we go get some spa treatments. That's chill. And then we would probably need to go out to eat someplace really good. Some introvert chill time would be in order. I would say if it's nice outside, maybe by the pool. You you like a good poolside thing. So maybe like a poolside. She's looking at me like I'm going to give away like a nod. <laughs> poolside no bark type of situation <laughs> with, uh, you know, obviously treat yourself to a couple of cocktails, not a ton, but just a few. Get a dinner and get to sleep early. Sleeping is luxurious. Okay. Ready what for me? Got? What do you got? Very similar, but I'm going to start it not as romantic. Mm. Um, You're not married. (laughs) You will be on a beach somewhere, somewhere where it's very hot, 95 plus degrees on a beach. You'll do yoga in the morning and I will be somewhere with your children so that you know that they are taken care of and not anywhere else. Then you'll have lunch Probably al pastor tacos. And then wine will also be in your future. And you will do several bouts of yoga, as much time as you need. You'll end with a cry, because we always know that that's good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All of your laundry will be done for you. And then you will be able to rock out alone in your car to Britney Spears music. And sing at the top of your lungs without fear of judgment. First, 
I have no idea how any of this relates to Parks and Rec. (laughs) (laughs) So treat yourself. This is the ritual. Every year, Tom and Donna do a treat yourself day where they go to a mall or they go to a restaurant and they buy the most expensive things they want. They buy whatever they want. They do whatever they want because it's treat yourself. Isn't Tom (laughs) like dressed head to toe in cashmere? Like, yes, so much cashmere. (laughs) Because you treat yourself. Treat yourself. (laughs) Oh my gosh, how do I pick? Emily, it was wonderful, but Casey was, she was really specific, but she got to go second, so that was kind of not fair. Yeah. You mentioned Al Pastor <laughs> tacos, babysitting my kids. And she stole the, the yoga. Car. Yep. And Britney Spears. And a beach and Britney Spears. <laughs> All right. Beach wins. <laughs> Fine. I'll take it as long as I get to go on. You get to go. Day. Yeah, I you like Al Pastor <laughs> tacos. Because that really is your treat yourself. Yes. Yeah. Tacos, yes. wine, and Libri wife time. Fine, Veach, you win one taco and one waffle. <laughs> yes! Okay. Speaking of no. waffles. Right, last game. So, Jenny, we have to explain this to you. Okay. So, both Leslie and Ron have very specific taste when it comes to breakfast foods. There's always diner scenes always. in this show. All yes. the time. Anything amazing or big in this show happens at a diner. Leslie's breakfast food is waffles. Waffles, waffles on waffles. Ron, just to provide you with an example, in an effort one episode to make Tom feel better about his green card marriage falling apart, (laughs) they take Tom to a strip club. And the only reason Ron agrees to go is because they have a breakfast food buffet. So he's able to eat all the bacon and eggs (laughs) that he wants. So that is his breakfast food. Real talk, a bagel place that I really loved in Chicago had a sandwich called the Ron Swanson Bagel Sandwich of Awesomeness, and it had ham, bacon, and sausage on it, as well as eggs, and I want to say there was actual maple syrup on it, too. Like, it literally had everything on it. It literally was a breakfast buffet between two bagels. So, which would you rather have? Ron Swanson Bacon and Eggs, or the Leslie Nope Waffles? I choose waffles. I like carbs. Bacon and eggs, Ron Swanson breakfast for me all the way. All the way. Same beach. I prefer the salty over the Mm -hmm. sweet. So thank you all so much for joining us and indulging my Parks and Recreation nerddom over the course of this episode. If you haven't seen it yet, Jenny Labrie and others, please make sure you catch it. I think it's streaming and it's amazing. So yes, Parks and Rec is a treat. In terms of takeaways, biggest takeaway for me is finding those moments of connection being able to bridge the distance that you have now with your guild through those little moments can be important. And I think mine would be something that maybe we mentioned in a roundabout way, keeping the things that make you you, but also holding space for allowing your dynamic to shift. Maybe your professional relationship becomes more of just a friendship that has some professional connections to it, but continuing to keep that space and deference to the people that you want to be connected with and keeping them a part of your life, even though what it looks like might change. Change is hard, but we can do hard things. And it also challenges us and helps us grow. And I'm all about it. I'm not all about not seeing you guys on the daily, but I'm all about what is the potential that we have in front of us and what can we reach to and what can we learn from new experiences and taking those experiences and being a better version of yourself is just something that is important, even though it's hard. Emily, you ready to send us off with the taste of what's to come? 
All right, so some upcoming episodes that we are excited to bring to your ears. First of all, teaching with children. So we will be examining the multi-hat wearing folks who work in education settings all day, but then have to come home and see to the education and raising of their own children. When you are wearing both that parent and educator hat, it's a different experience. So we're going to dig into that. And then we're going to be taking a nice long look at redemptive leadership focused around the character of Rebecca from Ted Lasso. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait to talk about those topics. Topics, and we hope you'll join us. And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at Grounded L Guild, at C Veacher, at Tech Coach M, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLG PodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded. Grounded.